It's time for another edition of Bent News. When you need to know, get bent. I'm Ray Coop. I'm Marcus Goldman. And you know, Marcus, I'm betting that the people in that bunker in Kiev didn't know that they were going to be visited by musical guests, let alone the birthday boy Bono and The Edge from U2. You know, that's really a heartwarming story, and the fact that they accepted President Zelensky's invitation to perform. What they did was really cool, and hopefully it shines a light in a dark place, because it is a dark situation over there. And, of course, we wish the best for the Ukrainian people. And you give yourself away. Marcus major balls to get there and do this and accept that invitation, right? Traveling through a war zone is perilous. Bono reportedly told the crowd, the people in Ukraine are not just fighting for your own freedom. You are fighting for all of us who love freedom. We pray that you will enjoy some of that peace soon. And then they were joined on stage by Ukrainian singer Taras Tapolia for an acoustic rendition of Stand By Me, the great Benny King song. Man, that's giving me goosebumps just thinking about it. Sounds so beautiful. Also coming out this week, news that he has been busy. We wondered, Marcus, what U2's been up to during the pandemic. Well, he's been working on a book called Surrender, 
each chapter named after a U2 song telling a different story. Kind of a cool approach, don't you think? I'm curious to see if these 40 songs are truly autobiographical or story related to the book. Well, there are 40 original drawings that'll appear throughout the book, so I guess that gives us a hint. It'll be released November 1st, whatever that means these days, but you can pre-order now. Surrender, 40 songs, one story by Bono. Marcus, through the years, I've seen many women who are visibly pregnant attending rock concerts. And you know what I call them? What? Brave. (laughs) (laughs) Because you never know, right? On May 7th, in Brazil, Metallica performing a woman who was 39 weeks pregnant went into labor near the end of the show. And when they went to look to see if they could, like, evacuate her, was like, oh, no, here he comes. Born backstage at a Metallica concert while the band played on. That's crazy, right? That's absolutely crazy. Something I have never witnessed. (laughs) Adding some background, Jaime Figueroa, the mother, is a tattoo artist who was at the concert, loves Metallica and all that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The irony is the song Enter Sandman, which is kind of like a lullaby, was playing as the baby was being born. That's crazy. Crazier than that, Marcus, is a couple days later when the mother gets a phone call and it's Papa Het, James Hetfield, calling to congratulate her. Wait a minute, that might be Hetfield. Do you think it's Hetfield calling to congratulate us for talking about the story? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Hi, this is James from Metallica. Congratulations, you guys. Seriously, (laughs) how cool is that? But obviously the little guy was ready to make his entrance into the world to enter Sandman. Horns up. No doubt, man. And kicking, too. Mom was probably like, get out already. (laughs) And I'm glad both mom and baby are safe. What a cool story. I just hope he doesn't become a Yanni fan. (laughs) Ha, ha. It's the Bent News Update here on the Imbalance History Podcast. I'm Ray with Marcus, and we saw a story probably around the same time this week, and it kind of made us both cringe a little, that someone who we really like and like their music and admire kind of threw out a questionable view on things as pertaining to the life and the health of the music business. M. Shadows from Avenged Sevenfold basically said that Digital streaming has saved the music business, and I don't understand how that works. I don't know if I can agree with that either. I think the vinyl revival and the CD revival have done a bigger job in really revitalizing the music industry. Well, vinyl sale numbers overall, total dollars, are definitely the large part of it. But CD unit sales are up too. And the thing that kind of concerns me is he seems to have given up. When they started, A7X was still a band that was selling a lot of CDs. He says, they're still in 2022 talking about how music doesn't make any money. No one's buying our CDs. Maybe you're not relevant. Let's be relevant. But a band like A7X is still relevant. They're still putting out music. And the problem is when you go to the digital platform and just focus on that, and you're not seeing any other revenue streams, it isn't such a great place to be for musicians. And face it, nobody's really getting paid what they're worth or what their streams are at any of the big-name services. True. I think that any artist that thinks this is okay 
needs to go talk to one of the guys who was around in the 70s or even the 80s when money was just falling out of their pockets because they sold albums, they sold CDs. They sold singles, 45s, EPs. And the closest this generation has as bands to understanding that is buying a single on Apple iTunes when it was still a thing. That's the closest they have. Bands today make more money playing live than they do in CD music, vinyl sales of any sort. Whereas back in the day, they made so much more money off the record sales than they did playing live. It's like you removed a third of your income as a company and still expect things to be okay. It's a tough time to be a musician. You have to be creative. But giving up on CD and physical media sales is not a good idea. And that's just our opinion here on the imbalanced history of rock and roll. Still love you, A7X. You guys rule. Can't wait for new music from you guys as well. Hurry up and release it. Two bands that made a ton selling records and going on tour and selling merchandise are teaming up. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction, a 32-day tour called Spirits on Fire, kicking off in the fall and running through a wrap-up in November at the Hollywood Bowl. And I guess the only question I really have is, why is Jane's Addiction opening? But that's pretty cool that they're teaming up. All fans of both bands will have a good time that night. And speaking of great matchups, part of their farewell tour, Whitesnake announcing they will open for Scorpions on a North American tour. Kicks off in Toronto August 21st and wraps up in Vegas, baby, Vegas, October 21st. The Rock Believer Tour. If you're looking for a fun follow on Twitter, follow David Coverdale. Yes, he is a great follow on Twitter. The punk rocker in both of us, Marcus, excited to hear that Riot Fest has unveiled their 2022 lineup, which includes My Chemical Romance, Misfits, and Nine Inch Nails in downtown Chicago, Douglas Park. The dates are Friday, Saturday, Sunday, September 16th through 18th. And some of the bands on this bill are absolutely fantastic. Slater Kinney, Ice Cube, Bauhaus is going to be there, Fear. Madball, Seven Guar. Seconds, Guar's going to be there, Foxy Shazam's going to be there, some of the ska punk like Less Than Jake, you have uh, Placebo, The Descendants. You're going all deep on all this, man. He's going in the pit. He's going off the stage, ladies and gentlemen. Dude, I'd get hurt Fest. in the pit. Coming up September 16th <laughs> through the 18th. Sad news this week, Marcus. One of the people that we've talked about recently of the Drifters, the great Bobby Hendricks, passed away this week at age 84 after a battle with Alzheimer's. Oh, when the sun beats down and burns the tar up on the roof, and your shoes get so hot, you wish your tired feet were fireproof. His contribution to rock and roll, very important, and I'm glad that we got to chat about him with Mr. Harvey Holiday. Another unexpected loss, the singer of Black Dahlia Murder, Trevor Schnod. Indications are it was suicide. Heartbroken by this one. The suicides really are so upsetting. Sending a lot of heartfelt love to the entire Black Dahlia Murder family. And the number for the Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. 800-273-8255. Sometimes people need to talk to us, Marcus, so let's reach into the listener mailbag. Like Chuck Weiss, not Chuck E. Weiss. 
Because remember Chucky Weiss? He was Chucky's in love. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Not, Not that Chuck Weiss. Chuck asked a pretty good question. What about Boston and the Rock Hall? Their sound is unique. Thanks for what you do. Chuck. And Boston's part of a list of a lot of bands that don't get credit for what they contributed in rock and roll from the people who are on the selection committee. Can we just say that, maybe? I think that is a fair assessment. The debut album by Boston was a complete game changer in the world of rock and roll. It impacted rock music after it, so therefore that qualifies Boston to be in the Hall of Fame. Not even on a ballot for consideration so far. Jeff Burton from L.A. checks in with an email, and he said, Hey, guys, I've only just discovered the show, and I'm loving it, especially all the punk rock goodness. Born and raised Southern Californian, just turned 50, and got into punk rock around 1985, so I knew most of the bands Marcus rattled off at the end of the Punk Rock Progenitors episode. I listened to the X episode yesterday and had a couple things to add. We love it when people add stuff, Marcus. Yes, we do. You mentioned their cover of Jerry Lee Lewis's Breathless, but I don't think you mentioned that it was a cover. And you know what? He's right. He is right. Don't know if that matters, and it does to us, so thanks for pointing it out. Also, when talking about members of X's side hustles, you didn't mention Billy Zoom was his hit-rotting guitar amps for a time, and also that the alternative radio station here in L.A., K-Rock, would always play X fairly regularly in the day. And I know they're probably the biggest station in uh, X's universe. But there's more from Jeff. Also wanted to mention that I haven't heard you guys talk about Ian McKay, Minor Threat, Fugazi, or Discord Records. Maybe you get to that in an episode that I haven't listened to yet. And hardly a breath given to the greatest punk rock band who also plays some originals, LA's own The Dickies. My first punk rock show was a Dickies concert opening for the Ramones at Cal State Northridge. Jeff, thank you so much for the info and thank you for the email. We love to learn and we know there are people like you that have a lot of love and a lot of knowledge of these bands as well. So anything you can share is helpful. Got an email here from Rudy Childs. It says, what an interesting and original spin you have on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll podcast. I not only admire the production quality of the shows, but appreciate the pertinent topics. I was intrigued with the When Bowen Met Bowie episode, and I'm glad every now and again you get a sense of Bowie as an artistic, artful dodger who was so brilliant at stealing, absorbing ideas. I remember this dynamic in the 70s, and it's not often related. Kudos on the job well done, and with each story interjecting radness into the human experience. So thanks to Rudy for reaching out to us. On uh, our email address, imbalancehistory at gmail.com. Hey, Marcus, remember when we got where the animals were from wrong? Yes. And John Mann from uh, Newcastle upon Tyne checked in? Yes, I do. Well, he just sent me another email and it says something about there's now a plaque. It says, We got it. Thank you to everyone who has supported our application. There's now a plaque at the club where the animals made their bones there in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Club Agogo, home of the animals, was located on this site. Many of the world's most iconic bands and artists in the history of popular music played here. This spot marks the entrance door. The club was located on the second floor 
part of the Handyside Arcade Buildings. And it's a picture of the plaque, and that was really cool. Thanks, John Mann, cool. for sending that along. Thank you for sending that picture, and we'll definitely get that picture out on social media. All right, I'm going to zip up the mailbag, buddy. Cool. Let's talk about what's next. Monday's release on the imbalanced history of rock and roll, an episode of Game Changers. The album that we're talking about is one that just blew the doors off the 90s. Fucking rules, man. The album is amazing. One of the most amazing debut albums I've ever enjoyed. Absolutely. And one that shook the foundations of music. Amidst change in the musical universe, this was like a bomb track going off, so to speak, right? It just changed things in midstream of the change that was in progress. And that's what we get into and talk about on a Game Changer album, the debut from Rage Against the Machine. And that's it for this edition of Bent News. I'm Ray Coop. I'm Marcus Goldman. When you need to know, get Bent. Bent.